longtime host of the Roundtable on Jocks Radio there in Birmingham. And now he's got a new show called The Next Round that's just started up down there with the same, the Roundtable team. They all left together. They're starting up a new venture here. So let's kick it over to our interview with Jim Dunaway. All right, we're pleased now to be joined by the one and only Jim Dunaway. Of course, he's a longtime radio host with Jocks. Now he's got a new show coming out the next round. Jim, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Well, Mike, you know, I've been uh, following you on Twitter for a long time. Big fan. So thanks for having me on with you finally. Yes, sir. Well, can you tell us a little bit about the new show? I'm- I've been watching, you guys have been posting alien videos, and uh, now you got a really good uh, interview with, uh, of course, the great Tom Luganville of ESPN, so that was just posted. Can you fill us in on what is the new format for the show? Well, that sums up our show. Um, <laughs> over the years, back when we were on WJOX, uh, 12 years together when we were the roundtable, and we just jumped on to a digital platform that we launched in August, um, and we're just, um, you know, we were ready to have a little equity in the company to own own our own product, and this was the best way for us to do it. We're excited. Uh, we've picked out office space. We've picked out furniture. We were picking out paint color tomorrow. We're getting a uh, set built, ordering equipment, uh, doing all the stuff we didn't do when we did four hours of radio every day. So it's exciting. Uh, it's a little nerve-wracking at times because, um, you know, it's, it's, we, we had a, a lot of security there with Cumulus Broadcasting all those years. And so this is very different, but we're fired up and ready to climb a different mountain. And we're ready for SEC Media Days, which is just a few days away, which means it's time uh, time to talk a little football. Absolutely. Well, let's just jump right into that then. And, you know, there's not many better in the state of Alabama to ask these type of questions. So that's why I really wanted to have you on, Jim. But first one, I got to ask you this. You probably get tired of being asked this, but how much longer is Nick Saban going to terrorize the rest of the SEC? <laughs> Uh, you know, I've had a chance to host his coaches show many times, and I will tell you this, I get older, and it seems like he gets younger. He seems to be <laughs> younger now than he was when he got to Tuscaloosa. Um, he's an amazing, amazing individual when it comes to a work ethic. Um, nobody ever outworks Nick Saban, and that includes the people on his staff. I'm not doing that as a shot against anybody else in the coaching profession. Uh, he's a guy that will outwork everybody that's on his coaching staff in his football building and everywhere, and that's how he sets the tone for the program. And until that changes, I don't see him going anywhere. You know, everyone thinks Coach K or Roy Williams and coaches like that are running away from the name, image, and likeness and what is the future of college athletics. Um, I don't see Nick Saban running away from that. You know, he's been very out front on you know wanting it to be an all sec schedule he's been out front wanting to expand the playoffs he's been out front saying if we're not going to expand the playoffs let's make sure we're protecting the bowls uh he's been out front on everything and when you've got some coaches like my buddy Dabo sweeney who was not in favor of name image and likeness to start with um you know nick saban says hey if that's what you guys want he never he never tries to push an agenda he says if that's what everybody wants He'll adjust to that, and I think his ability to adjust is why he is still thriving at Alabama right now and coming off another national championship. Now, of course, he signed a contract extension this offseason. He signed through the 2028 season. If you had to predict, do you think he coaches uh, you know, through the end of that deal? Well, you know, you always it's a wild card with your health, but as long as he's healthy, um, yeah, I could see him coaching through 2028. 
I don't know how it ends, though. You know, I don't know how the final chapter of Nick Saban's time in Tuscaloosa ends, but I'll, I'll be the first to tell you uh, when Alabama was getting ready to play Notre Dame down in Miami back in the day, that would be the 2012 season. Um, I was one of those people that was hearing very strong rumors from my friends who worked at the Cotton Bowl, who were Texas alums. They were saying, you know, we're after Nick Saban, man. He's going to win that national championship and come to Austin. And I believed it, man. I, I, back then I thought, you know, Nick Saban could win another championship, his third in a short period of time, and then bounce off to another challenge because he loves the new challenges. And, um, he didn't do that. He's still here in 2021 getting ready to make another run, coming off of another national championship. So I don't know how the final chapter goes. Um, You know, he's not the kind of guy who I think would walk away from a contract, but I would imagine there'll be some contract left, some years left on a contract, whether it's this one or the next one, when he finally decides to hang it up. But he's a guy who, you know, there seems to be things that continue to, you know, sort of rekindle the fire. And I think last year with him missing a game because of COVID-19, the restrictions that were on you, I think he really realized sitting around the house a lot that, um, that that's not really where, where he sees his future, is sitting around the lake house riding his boat. He loves boating. He loves being at the lake. But I think he loves coaching football a lot more. So I don't know how it ends, but I don't think it's any time in the next couple of years. Now, we all know Steve Sarkeesian did a – just a tremendous job there with the Alabama offense. Now they've got Bill O'Brien coming in. In your opinion, will that prove to be, you know, Alabama downgrading? Or is it possible that they've even upgraded by landing a, a very, you know, successful NFL coach? Well, I mean, that's where it starts. I mean, Bill O'Brien was a successful offensive coach in the National Football League, and then he was a very successful head coach. He was a horrible general manager. Uh, so as long as Nick Saban's not letting him trade away John Mechie <laughs> or Evan Neal for first-round picks or something like that, then uh, Alabama should be okay. But the guy's a, a great offensive mind. I love Steve Sarkeesian. I thought he had uh, better nuance at play calling than Lane Kiffin did when Lane was there. I love the way he draws up plays. And I think Sark, this time around as a head coach, uh, more mature personal life in order will be a huge success eventually at Texas. So I hate to see Sark go, um, but I don't think Bill O'Brien's a downgrade. I just think it'll be very different, and it'll be very different just starting off with the fact that the quarterbacks will be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, th- I think you'll get a little bit of what you saw with Jalen Hurts in this offense. And and who better to to coach Bryce Young than the guy who had been coaching Deshaun Watson? And, you know, Deshaun Watson's a, a mountain of a man, and Bryce Young is not. But their skill sets are a lot alike. Bryce Young can escape out the back door of a blitz and burn you for 14, 17, 20 yards and before you even know it. And that's what Deshaun Watson was able to do. Strong arm and the ability to escape a pass rush. And if, you're, if you leave the quarterback uncovered, Bryce can beat you. That's what Bill O'Brien's been coaching Deshaun Watson at with the Houston Texans. And I think that's a great place for Bryce Young's time in Tuscaloosa to start with a guy like Bill O'Brien. Now, I'm glad you referenced uh, Bryce Young because I, I wanted to ask you, what's the expectation down there for him this year? I mean, you kind of answered that a little bit already, but as I see it, he's the betting favorite right now to win the Heisman out of the SEC. Is is that a little ridiculous considering he's never, <laughs> he's never even started a game yet? 
<laughs> yeah, there, there's no pressure at all, right? You, Mike, you just told him he's going to win the Heisman. If he doesn't win the Heisman, it's a disappointment. Look, I'm, I'm looking at my Lindy's magazine last night, and Matt Corral is on the first team All-SEC, and JT Daniels is on the second team. And I pull up my Athlon magazine, and you got JT Daniels and Matt Corral. That's where the quarterback conversation starts in the SEC, whether I'm reading my Athlon or my Lindy's or my Phil Steele. But everybody gets to Bryce Young eventually. So, yeah, he's got a lot of pressure because there's perceived talent around him. Here's, here's where it starts with Bryce Young, though, is Evan Neal is back, but a lot of first-round and NFL skill set players on their offensive line is gone. You look at Alabama traditionally, uh, A.J. McCarron, Greg McElroy, they could sit and let receivers run through zone one, zone two, and throw it to them in zone three and never get a, ha- a hair on their head touched. Bryce Young will be behind a very talented but inexperienced offensive line, and that's where the first chapter in the Bryce Young story will be written. And that also is where his legs will come into play and the ability for him to run the football. That's why I think this looks more like a Jalen Hurts freshman season offense than what we've seen most recently with Tua and Mack. If there's one game on Alabama's schedule that you think is going to give them the most trouble this season, is there one that stands out to you? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I would circle at Texas A&M mm-hmm. um, for that game October the 9th. Um, you know, the Aggies, they, they would tell you they didn't play a great game last year. Let it get away from them at Bryant-Denny Stadium. That was their only blemish. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, I think the Miami game will be challenging because you have so many new parts and a new quarterback in Miami. At a, you know, they won the transfer portal this year, so that'll be a fun game. The trip to Florida will be a fun game. Um, you look back at the SEC championship, 52-46, and you have, you have a lot of people that left at Florida. But, you know, to me, Emory Jones looks a lot like Dak Prescott. So that game will be fun for Alabama. I think Ole Miss, what was that score? I mean, it was 1,000 to 999, it seems like, as I remember that game. Uh, I, uh, that's going to be a fun game. And, you know, if, if Matt Corral, if he's not the best quarterback in the SEC, he's the second best. And I don't think anybody gets under uh, Alabama's Pete Golding or Nick Saban's skin better than Lane Kiffin does at drawing up plays. So that'll be a fun game. LSU is going to have a great bounce back. Um, so the schedule is a lot more difficult than people want to make it out to for Alabama. And it's really difficult early. I mean, before you're out of the first Saturday in October, you've already played Miami. You've already played on the road at Florida, at home to Ole Miss. And October 9th, you go on the road at Texas A&M. That's a challenging early part of the schedule when usually Alabama's schedule is back half heavy. Now, I wanted to ask you, I don't know if you've thought about this before, but um... – you know, a couple of off seasons ago, Gus Malzahn ultimately, you know, we all know he picked Bo Nix, true freshman, to start there for Auburn when he had a guy on the roster, Malik Willis, who's been tearing it up for a few frees at Liberty. Do you think picking Bo Nix over Malik Willis, that ultimately ended up costing Gus Malzahn his job? Well, you know, a lot of things cost Gus Malzahn his job, and, and beating Nick Saban wasn't one of them. You know, I, I Auburn is one of those jobs where if you somehow are on the wrong side of the, wrong, of the right people, uh, you never get the footing you need to be successful there. And, you know, Pat Dye is a guy that, God rest his soul, one of my favorite coaches of all time, uh, he's the kind of coach that Auburn needs. The I don't, 
you know, I don't care guy. We're going to do it my way guy. And, and uh, they may have that in Brian Harson. I really like Brian Harson a lot. Uh, Bo Nix was a five-star quarterback. Bo Nix, I said when he came out of Pinson, uh, the day he, on National Signing Day, I said on our radio show, I said, hey, this guy, I think by his junior year, will be a finalist for the Heisman. I don't think he wins it, but I think he'd be a finalist for the Heisman. And we're going into his junior year. We'll see what, you know, Bo has around him. But that talent level hasn't been up to the level of Alabama. And it's not up to the level of LSU's national championship. And it's not up to Georgia's level. It's not up to Texas A&M level. And I think ultimately that's why Gus Malzahn lost his job. He had some good, some great recruits like Tank Bigsby. He didn't have enough of them to stay competitive with the Georgias, the LSUs, the Texas A&Ms, and the Alabamas. That, it's, not Bo Nick, it's not a Bo Nix problem. It's an overall roster problem that costs Gus his job. But Gus is going to thrive at UCF. You mark my words, the guy will be a hit at UCF. And, um, and you probably have not seen the last of Gus Malzahn in the top ten or on a national stage. Now, he referenced, uh, of course, the first-year coach, Brian Harson. He also brought in offensive coordinator Mike Bobo, uh, do you think they can maximize Bo Nix's talent? And, and what's the real ex, uh, realistic expectations for Auburn going with the first-year coaching staff? Well, I, I would tell you, I think Mike Bobo, he played the way Patrick Nix, Bo's dad, played. Uh, he coaches offensive football the way Patrick Nix's, um, the way Patrick Nix played and the way Patrick Nix likes to coach. Uh, so there's a lot of similarities between – Mike Bobo and Bo Nix's dad and who's been the biggest influence on Bo Nix's style of playing football. It's been Patrick Nix, the former Auburn great from the 1993 and 94 seasons. So I think the reason Mike Bobo has that job is because Mike Bobo and Patrick Nix think a lot about offensive football. And I think that will fit uh, Bo Nix's comfort level a lot better than Gus Malzahn. So I do think it is a good move for Bo Nix that there was a coaching change. I think it's a good move that they hired Mike Bobo. And I think Brian Harson knew what he was doing. Um, again, talent level matching the elite of the elite is going to be the problem. But Tank Bigsby may be the best running back in the country. And you've got some really great talent on that defensive side of the football. Can you find enough playmaker at wide receiver? And can Bo Nix take that next step? That will decide the difference between Auburn winning seven games or Auburn being a contender in the SEC West. Now, I'm sure you've seen the story out of Miami with the, uh, you know, the boosters donating to, or donating or sponsoring, whatever you want to call it, basically every uh, player on the roster there to the tune of a little over a half a million dollars. Uh, you hearing anything that, uh, you know, we could see something similar in, in the state of Alabama with the Crimson Tide or potentially Auburn? You know, I don't know if it's going to be one big lump sum like that, but in this is the in this the way everybody thought it was going to play out. <laughs> I, I personally thought that you'd have 25, you know, booster-owned companies that would eventually, and I'm not speaking speaking Alabama Auburn. I'm speaking all across college football. Mm-hmm. You know, throw in UAB, throw in Vandy, whoever whoever you want. You'd have 25 business owners who are alums of state university. And they would, uh, you know, basically adopt a recruit. And for four years, they would, you know, name, image, and likeness. They would, you know, buy jerseys and, you know, do car ads and all that. And, um, and then, you know, another recruit would come on and you'd get the, that guy for four years. 
I don't see a problem with it. I think it's, you know, the money may change a little bit. There may be more money available, but I think we all believe in our heart of hearts that there's been a little extra going on in college athletics since they were dropping hay bales off of trains back in the uh, 1900s, right? Stuff, stuff a few hundred dollar bills and mm-hmm. roll them off the train on a ranch for a big running back in Texas and try to get them to go to College Station. It's the way I pictured recruiting in the 1920s. And I bet it hadn't changed much over the years, just the way you get the money to the recruits. Now we're doing it on the up and up. And, and I like it. And if some big booster who owns a car dealership wants to sponsor a left guard to uh, do commercials for his car dealership and that left guard gets a little money out of it and a, and a school gets a good left guard, uh, I don't see where anybody's getting hurt. How much pressure is going to be on Kirby Smart if Georgia does – I don't know if they have to win the SEC. I think you know they're going to be a huge favorite to win the East, but uh, at least make the college football playoff. Is, is there going to be heat on him if he can't do, deliver that this year? Let me pull out my summer pool magazine again. Um, last night, I think the headline said something like, Georgia chasing Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia Georgia with the talent to win the national championship. You know, so yeah, I mean, Georgia Georgia's not far off. And I'll remind you, JT Daniels is unbeaten as the starting quarterback at Georgia. He hasn't lost one yet since he started. So that team is really good. But um, I will look at most first-round all-SEC teams, uh, you may have JT Daniels as your quarterback. A lot of people have Matt Corral. Some people have Zamir White in as the number one first-team all-SEC running back. I personally go Tank Bigsby. I personally go Isaiah Spiller over Zamir White. You know, I don't have a Georgia receiver that would make my first-team all-SEC. I don't have a Georgia offensive lineman that would make my first-team all-SEC. I don't even have a Georgia kicker anymore that would make my first team all SEC. So what I'm saying is Georgia is going to be built on another great Kirby Smart defense. And can that offense with a really good quarterback be good enough to be national champions? And you look at, I think we all believe believe in DJ Uyangale Ui mm-hmm. at Clemson. I think we all believe in Spencer Radler at Oklahoma. I just assume Ohio State and Ryan Day will have somebody. Uh, we think Alabama would be pretty good offensively. So now if you're Georgia, defense defense wins championships, the old cliche, but Nick Saban told us last year that it changed a little bit. So you got to play some offensive football, and hopefully Kirby, for Georgia's sake, moves that offense into the 2021 scale and not try to keep it in 2011 Alabama. Now, I really want to ask you about LSU. Do you think the team this year is closer to the uh, 15-0 and 0 two years ago or closer to the 5-5 five and five team that was a huge disappointment last year? Well, I, I think it'll be more – it'll be closer to 2019 than what we saw last year. And I think that starts with the fact that you've got a new defensive coordinator, right? You bring in uh, Jake Peets, and he's going to come in there, and he's going to be the guy that um, sort of cleans up what Bo Pelini did last year. And I, you try to tell me what Bo Pelini was doing in that first game. I can't tell you. Uh, he, he stayed he stayed in man-to-man in Mississippi State and ran him off the field. And I'm not sure that LSU ever recovered from that game. They won some games down the stretch. Uh, they played better football before it was all said and done. But when your only wins are over Vandy and South Carolina, who are not very good, at Arkansas, they beat a good Florida team. And then they beat a pretty good Ole Miss team. 
So they played better late. And I think eventually Bo Pelini was just off his rocker last year. I think it starts with better defense. Derek Stingley Jr. is unbelievable. And I really liked Miles Brennan at quarterback before he was hurt. Max mm-hmm. Johnson had some uh, bright spots down the stretch. I think LSU's Jimmy Jim, Jimmy's and Joe's are just too good, not for them to be better than they were last year when it's all said and done this year. All right, last question for you, Jim. I really appreciate all the time you've given me. But, uh, you know, last year we had four new head coaches in the SEC, and I think you can make the case that, uh, you know, all of them – very good hires, Sam Pittman at Arkansas, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, Mike Leach, Mississippi State, and Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri. Which one of those four do you think will win the most games at their current school? And I'm not talking this year. I'm just talking, you know, staying out the, and staying at those programs for the rest of uh, however long they're, they're there. Oh, man. Um, I think Sam Pittman – will stay there the longest of all those. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ever listen to the show, there's a good chance I landmined him right there, but <laughs> I think they love him, and I think maybe he did the best job, uh, relatively speaking, of anybody last year. They were very competitive and could have won a couple of more games like at, at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leach will win some games. You know, I don't know if, if Lane Kiffin can get into this conversation because I feel like Lane has one more move in him to a, you know, not a Texas-like job, but to a job closer to a Texas job. And then Eli Drinkwitz, you know, I had a chance to talk to some of the Alabama coaches as the season progressed and before they went to the playoffs, and they they were really impressed with week one what, what Eli Drinkwitz and his coaching staff did to Alabama. And if you go back and see what Alabama did the rest of the year and go back to that game one and watch it again, Missouri did a pretty heck, pretty good job. Heck of a job against Alabama. So you're right. All four of those are good. I'd put Lane dead last. I would put Mike Leach because he's in the West. Sam Pittman. I'm going to go with Eli Drinkwitz gets more wins of all those. Oh, congratulations. That's the correct answer. (laughs) (laughs) He's Jim Dunaway. That worked out good. You got to give him a follow at Jim Dunaway and check out the new show, The Next Round. Follow it on Twitter, YouTube, all the platforms. Can't wait to see what you guys come up with in your inaugural season. Jim, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Anytime and Next Round Live on all the social media platform, Next Round Live. And I enjoyed it and I'm ready for SEC Media Days and then let's kick this thing off. Just want to say thanks again to Jim for hopping on the line. I thought that was some outstanding insight into uh, Alabama, Auburn, and and the rest of these SEC teams. He's a very, very entertaining guy, as you can tell. And if you like that, you got to check out his show, The Next Round. Uh, Links to where you can find all that is in the show notes. Highly recommend. Give Jim that follow. Give The Next Round the follow on all the social media platforms and check them out. You know, Let's support what they're doing over there at The Next Round. But hey guys, that's going to do it for this episode. I apologize once again for only having one episode. But like I said, you're going to get prepared to be hearing a lot of us here the coming days with the SEC Media Days right around the corner. The unofficial start to the SEC season. And in the meantime, I'm going to try to keep getting these uh, interviews lined up. And hell, who knows? Maybe Cousin Shane one of these days will hop on the line. 
Uh, we certainly hope so, but uh, I know he appreciates each and all of you as much as I do. And uh, of course, if you made it this far, as always, give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app, and we're willing to send you a beer koozie free of charge just for that review. We've got all 14 SEC teams covered. So if you send that review to us at that SEC podcast at gmail.com. We're very happy to send you a beer koozie in exchange for free. I don't know anybody else that's doing that. So I appreciate each and every one of you. Have a great weekend. Catch you on the next one.